Well, we've been talking about this really since election night, but Global News is confirming reports tonight, first published in the Global Mail, of a move being made for a Conservative caucus review of Aaron O'Toole's leadership. 35 Conservative MPs have signed a letter for a leadership review vote, and reports say MPs looking to oust O'Toole believe they have the numbers to get it done. Ontario MP Scott Reid, chair of the party's caucus, confirming he'd informed MPs that he had received written notice with signatures from at least 20% of members requesting a review of O'Toole's leadership. How bad is it? Calgary area MP Bob Benson, who supported O'Toole in 2017 and 2020 in leadership races, released a statement today saying, quote, since Mr. O'Toole assumed the position of leader, there have been numerous flip-flops and questionable judgment on Mr. O'Toole's part and concluded with, quote, I feel the Conservative caucus has given Mr. O'Toole more than enough chances and that a caucus review is, quote, the only way to avoid a dangerous split in the Conservative Party that may not be reparable. So pretty harsh words there. Joining me now to dissect it all is Laurie Williams, political scientist and associate professor in the Department of Economics, Justice and Policy Studies at Mount Royal University. Laurie, thanks for being here. It was my pleasure to be with you, Ben. Uh, this wasn't surprising, but the speed and abruptness of it may have been uh, caught a few off guard. Uh, off guard. What did you make of it tonight? I was a bit surprised again at the speed and the abruptness. You're, 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 you got hit that right on the head. Uh, we knew that there were challenges. Uh, we, some of these constituency associations were pushing for an early vote. They were saying by June 15th. So I was sort of thinking we're, we're in the, in the months rather than days sort of range of things. Um, we also knew that that men, members of his caucus were openly disagreeing and, and virtually challenging him. We know that he had to change his position on uh, meeting the protesters because of pressure from within his own caucus. Um, and we also know there's been all kinds of criticism over some policies that are at odds with what he ran for the leadership um, on. So things like uh, his position on a carbon tax, for example. Uh, so he basically campaigned to the right to become leader of the party. And then he moved or tried to move to the center uh, as he tried to win broader support amongst the electorate. Um, and, and that move seems to be the source of, of significant resentment from an, a, a number of members of the party. I, I, I mean, I'm I'm reading some of the, the reports on this now that the vote on conversion therapy, uh, basically, they, they went along, they wanted that vote to happen. They wanted to get it out of the public's mind so that they wouldn't be associated with anti-gay sentiments. Um, so Aaron O'Toole is trying to be more moderate. And there are some within, I guess, a significant number within the party that are that are pushing against that. Some who disagree with his position on firearms, some on his with his position on carbon tax, and some simply the fact he's been indecisive and uh, and ineffective at winning winning broader support. One thing I found interesting is that given rising inflation, fatigue with the ongoing pandemic, uh, a protest, whether or not you agree with any of their demands or not, this feels like it should be fertile time for an opposition party to be attacking the government, the sitting government, and instead. You know, if I were the liberals, I would just be putting my feet up and watching this unfold. You know, when don't, as Napoleon said, don't get in the way of your enemy when they're making mistakes. This feels like it, the timing couldn't possibly be worse for them, for the conservatives to start to sort of disintegrate into infighting and, and take up all that space that could be used talking about other things. There are a lot of conservatives, I think, who, who, who think that unless they've got a new leader, this isn't going to settle down. Um, so these divisions have been around since the union, if you like, of the, of the former um, conservative, the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada, and the the Reform slash Alliance 
party of Canada united to form this this single conservative party. We're seeing the same sort of thing happening, you know, of course, here with the United Conservative Party in Alberta. They brought together uh, elements that are are deeply divided. There are moderate folks, there are libertarian folks, there are social conservatives and fiscal conservatives. There are regional tensions and divisions within the party. Um, and uh, both at the federal and at the provincial level, and they are extremely difficult to manage. And we saw the the effective management of those divisions by Stephen Harper, who just put his foot down, really controlled communications, uh, simply refused to address some of the more socially conservative issues. And uh, the the last two leaders of the Conservative Party of Canada have come to power, have come to the leadership with the support of social conservatives, and those social conservatives felt. Uh, betrayed or, or disappointed when they when they weren't um, when they weren't responding to some of their concerns. So I don't know how you actually become the leader with the kind of support you need and how you manage then as leader. Stephen Harper provided one model for that. Uh, the model provided to us by uh, Andrew Shear, Aaron O'Toole, and Jason Kenney is simply not not working. But it's an enormous challenge. I'm speaking with political scientist Laurie Williams about the challenge to Aaron O'Toole's leadership by MPs within the party. How does this unfold now? Well, according to the rules that are in place, if you've got 20% of the caucus pushing for a leadership vote, um, that has to be held. It could be held as early as Wednesday. Uh, If 50% of the caucus votes against Aaron O'Toole, and we're hearing differing reports or reading different reports in in media and social media, some saying that there are 65 people that are willing to vote against Mr. O'Toole, and some saying that he actually has majority support within the caucus. I guess we'll see relatively quickly. Again, I am surprised with the speed at which this this has developed. But again, we're also seeing polls that, um, that indicate that Pierre Poilievre is uh, more popular than Aaron O'Toole amongst uh, conservative supporters. Uh, that's bad news for Aaron O'Toole, of course. But it's also, I think, bad news for the Conservative Party because a Conservative Party that associates themselves with, I mean, Pierre, Pierre Poilievre uh, tweeted uh, about this vaccine vendetta. Um, his position is not in line with a lot of moderate conservatives across the country. And if the Conservative Party wants to win an election, even to be a, a, an effective opposition, as you've alluded to earlier, they've got to be a they've got to be a, a, a force to be reckoned with. Someone who could actually uh, bring down the government, or at least contest against the government, and win the next election. And and because they've sort of narrowed their focus and their base rather than broadening it, they aren't uh, an effective challenge to to the Liberal Party at this point in time. And it's not good for a democracy to have uh, one party that's that sort of not effectively contested. So it looks like Aaron O'Toole's leadership is up. If someone like Pierre Poilievre takes his place, um, it's difficult to imagine how how that party will broaden its support because it's it'll be associated with, as in 2015, with, <clears throat> with extremist policies. One of the reasons the 2015 election uh, was lost by the Conservatives, won by the Liberals, was the barbaric cultural practices tip line, the impression that conservatism was associated with with intolerance, with um, didn't have a place for for cultural differences, uh, might even be be racist and misogynist. Um, these were the kinds of concerns that that led to the the, uh, the demise of the conservative government in 2015 and make it very difficult for for moderate or, or mainstream Canadians to support a conservative party that's that's still sort of t- tarred with that with that brand. 
But I gather that report that was given to them by former MP James Cumming that sort of analyzed what went wrong in the last election, part of that report was exactly what you just said, that ultimately this party does need to find a way to be a more, a bigger tent party to some extent. I understand why, you know, true diehard conservatives like Pierre Polyev, he's he's a good attack dog, but he's their attack dog. So he's hard to appeal to a wider bunch of people. Um, haven't they learned these lessons? And if not, where does that leave the party going forward if they're going to go into yet another divisive leadership race? And it's difficult, like very difficult to see who would be the successful, not just winner of the leadership contest, but who would be the success, successful leader that could draw together the divisions or the disparate wings, if you like, within the party. That's going to be a really difficult challenge for whoever is the leader. And, and as we saw, Stephen Harper, by being criticized, actually, for being as, as uh, controlling as he was, but that seemed to be the recipe for managing those, those uh, forces that were sort of pulling the, the party in different directions, um, silencing people who, were, who wanted to deal with controversial issues or express controversial views. And, and when that lid came off, uh, it, it became much less appealing to, to a lot of Canadians who are looking for a more more moderate uh, alternative? Um, it's it's a difficult thing. I, I, I mean, I've heard people say that conservative parties in Canada have become ungovernable because of these these forces that are literally pulling them apart and making it in these leaders who are trying to please enough people across the spectrum to try try to find some sort of common ground uh, for, uh, upon which to to uh, base their leadership and their governance are finding it very difficult. To manage that um, now, I think I think there is a way of doing it other than the Harper way, but but it's a very very big challenge. It is very difficult to manage a party that has these these centrifugal forces just is tearing at its core. You wouldn't be surprised to see that uh, Stephen Harper's name has already come up again tonight on social media. Obviously, it always does in these circumstances. Do you ever see him coming back? No, I, I don't. Um, let's remember he. Uh, he lost the 2015 election and, and that was be, partly because when leaders sort of approach the 10 year mark, the, the, the record, the, the, the people that they have uh, angered and, and so forth starts to accumulate and, uh, and they just can't generate the kind of support that they need. I mean, obviously people in the conservative party and people who aren't even particularly conservative, but want to see some sort of democratic balance or contra- contest involved in, in uh, our federal politics would like to see um, someone who could lead the party, but but the question is is you know who could it be that would satisfy both the social conservatives and the fiscal conservatives or the libertarians and the and and the moderates the folks the vast majority of Canadians who support for example um, some of the of the restrictions um, that are being put in place uh, in this pandemic to try to prevent the healthcare system from collapsing, supporting the economy, making sure people are healthy enough to work and keep our economy running. Folks that support those things that are in the great majority in Canada um, are 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 not going to support people who who uh, who call these these policies a vaccine vendetta. Um, who who make some of these more more sort of extremist remarks, um, and and particularly with respect to this convoy, I mean, yes, there are a lot of people who have very important concerns that they want to raise, and, and I think a lot a lot of Canadians share concerns or questions about, you know, why is it possible um, or, or necessary to have policies that are restrictive in the way that they are? You know, why can 
kids be stopped from going to school when bars are open, mm-hmm. to take one example. Um, yeah. It's difficult to to understand some of the policies or the need for them. Um, so I, I think there are a lot of people who are raising questions, but but the organizers of this of this protest are coming from that extreme fringe. I mean, the the, the who's who list that we go through um, on this are people that are hoping for a January sixth like insurrection, who think that they can dissolve Parliament, uh, who right. are are very strong. Um, uh, critics of, of some of the scientific evidence and so forth. And I think it's become very difficult to manage. Guess we'll have, we'll have to leave it at that. Uh, Laurie Williams, thank you so much. Associate Professor in the Faculty of Policy Studies at Mount Royal University in Calgary tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Ben.